Hello and welcome to the Parent Survival Kit Podcast from Surviving to Thriving in Your Household. My name is Gene Schwalen and next to me as always, my beautiful bride, Dr. Sonia Schwalen, pediatric expert psychologist, nationally certified school psychologist. And today we have a guest with us that we're so happy about. We are so excited to have Edith Majors with us. She is a part of our Next Steps family. She is one of our uh, therapists and she does a wonderful job with our families and kids as well. So Edith, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Well, again, I'm Edith Majors, and I am a proud member of the Next Steps family. Um, as a therapist, I work with our Red Clinic groups, so working with people with eating disorders, which is how I got introduced into this field. Um, so I'm always excited to help in that area. Um, as far as what I do for family, I was so excited when I went to school to be a counselor. I was going to be an LPC. I was just going to do one track and just help young women make good decisions. You know, you've got all this stuff in your head about what you're going to do, right? Well, it didn't come out that way. I mean, I do that, but not the way I thought it would be. <laughs> so I did, um, as I was doing my coursework and things, um, I talked to one of my advisors, and I told her I really wanted to work with women. And so she said, well, why aren't you doing family? You know, why not be an LMFT? And I kind of looked at her, I was like, because I don't want to, you know, <laughs> that's not what I'm here for. And so she said, well, just think about it, because as a woman, we're all about relationships and family is a big part of what we do. So to make a long story short, I did take one class. I took a family systems class and I was hooked. So I ended up dual tracking. And I was so glad that Texas doesn't require an LMFT to practice marriage and family therapy, but I do have the coursework to do it. And for me, I'm a single mom. I've always been a single mom. And so um, learning what I learned, um, I wish I knew it back then, raising my 30-year-old. But now that I know it, I'm so excited to help other families just to be better and just to know that. I think the biggest thing that I try to get people to understand is that within a family, it's not just a family relationship. For every person, there's a, a relationship. So one person, for me, I think I have four different relationships. I have me as my family. Um, we are a multi-generational household, so I have a relationship with my mom as her daughter, a relationship as mom with my daughter, and then a relationship as grandmother to my grandson. And so you wear a lot of different hats, but sometimes people think that they have to act the same way in each relationship. We don't act the same way at home as we do at our jobs or at church or with, uh, with our friends. And so I really try to bring that home for parents and get them to understand parenting is not an easy job, but neither is being parented. So just kind of bring that together and just try to help however way I can. Yeah, so four generations in one household. Oh, yes. I, I wouldn't recommend that to everybody. It takes a special kind of crazy. <laughs> I tell you. But it's worth it. <laughs> so you've got all kinds of parenting hacks, I'm sure, that we can kind of dive into and whatnot. I don't um, know if they're all good, but yeah. <laughs> well, hey, if we know what's good and what's not good, then we know what we should use and what we shouldn't use, that's right? It, I need it. all of them. I need the good and the bad. I'll try it all <laughs> at this point. So, um, so Sounds like you're surviving, Gene. I, I am surviving. Fairly thriving. What's going on? Do we need a little bit more of this podcast? I think we, little, I think we may need an intervention here. Okay, let's yeah. talk. <laughs> well, I also wanted to come and dive in. So uh, now becoming an LPC, a licensed professional counselor, was not your first dream or gig. Maybe it was your first dream, but not really your first gig. So um, kind of tell us about that journey itself. Oh, my goodness. It was a serious journey. So right I've worked for churches in the past, and I've had a lot of different jobs. I have been an IT recruiter. I've worked for churches. I've been in the mortgage industry, um, 
doing some recruiting as a VP. But one day I just realized I just want to help people. I had I had been hurt and had been hurting for so long and then um, found my answer, which was God. And not that I'm a Christian therapist, but I'm a therapist who's Christian. And I was like, we don't have to hurt this way. There are people who are willing to listen to us, to commiserate, to lift us up, to encourage us. And I always tell people, when people ask me what I do, I'm like, I'm a personal cheerleader. Wouldn't you love to have somebody just rah-rah you on? Absolutely. <laughs> so that's how I describe what I do. And so I remember when I decided to go, this is the realm I'm going to go. I'm going to be serious about college and do this. My pastor, who I love dearly and loves me dearly, was like, Edith, you're a single mom. How much money are you going to make as a as a therapist? Are you going to be able to take care of your family? So I just I decided to try, you know what, I can still be a help and be nursing. Well, I knew nursing wasn't for me when I was sitting in the third week of my chemistry class, and for three weeks straight, all I heard my chemistry professor say was, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, am I okay? Is, is he speaking English? So I remember going to lab and telling my team, my, my lab team, Tell Dr. So-and-so he'll get my withdrawal slip on Monday. I can't do this. <laughs> so then I decided to go the business route. And long story short, after my first semester um, at, at the four-year university where I went, I had a 1.67 grade point average. Okay, that's bad, right? I mean, even for me as a 30-something-year-old going back to school, I'm like, this isn't going to happen. Tried to change my major. Of course, my grade average was too slow. I mean, too slow, too low. And I was too slow <laughs> to realize that that wasn't what I needed to do. I ended up taking an occupational therapy class. It was the easiest A I'd ever earned, and it was the class that I loved the most. And I was like, there's a workaround for this. So I ended up using my electives to take psychology classes. And then within a semester, I was up to like a 3.2 grade point average from a 1.6 to a 3.2 and changed my major and majored in psychology. And it was a hard battle because I had wanted to go the college route earlier, but because I was a single mom, it was just really hard. I spent a lot of time studying and so my daughter didn't get my full attention. But again, because we were a multi-generational multi household, my mom was there to help. And then I found myself getting jealous of the relationship they had, and to the point where she was calling us both mommy, and I was like, wait, you've only got one mom, and that's me, so we're going to have to <laughs> fix this. But I put it on hold. I did what was best for the family, and I actually thrived in that. And so I ended up doing psychology. I thought I was going to be a cognitive researcher. I don't like research. I don't like asking questions. I like giving answers or helping define answers um, and not asking the questions. And so I ended up um, getting a master's in brain and behavior sciences, realizing that that wasn't for me, and then turned right around and got a master's in counseling. And it was the best decision I'd ever made for myself. And I was, I'm proud of that decision. So, and it just kind of brought me full circle to right here. That's awesome. That's it is awesome. awesome. I'm, I'm grateful for that story. And you know, I think that story is really important just to share and put it out there mm -hmm. because it's so normal, you know, for people to take different paths to, to not even really know what they're, they they mm -hmm. want to do or have an idea of something, um, and then that kind of get steered in a different direction. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that many people talk about that, you know. And and I when we're raising kids, yeah. we we don't give permission to our kids sometimes to explore different things or commit here and then change your mind later and go commit to something else and then change your mind again. We actually in our society try to steer away from that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not okay to quit this sport or leave your team behind or start something and not finish it. But 
that's not necessarily the message we have to send either. Exactly. We can say, hey, it's okay to like really figure this out and do some exploration. I'm just glad you shared that. You know, I have a, actually a similar story where I thought I was going to do one thing and then I ended up as a PhD psychologist and it just kind of found me. And I never anticipated the path I would take to get here. Um, and that that's for a different day. But Well, actually, yeah, I mean, that's kind of something that I really was, was wanting to talk about and it kind of came full, full circle right here on the podcast. <laughs> so it's like, you know, what is our purpose? You know, you mentioned your faith and finding God and, you know, God puts plans in all of us. And what are those plans? And sometimes as parents, we can put our kids on this path that we want them to be on because of what our motives are, what we feel is best. And we don't really even look into really what our kid really loves to do the most. You mentioned your pastor, even your pastor mentioned to you, you go, you sure you want to do that? You're not gonna make enough money. And then it's not always about money. It's about exactly. fulfillment. Yes, sir. What is our purpose? What's our passion? What do we love to do? Yes, we will be the happiest if we're doing what we love. Exactly. And that's one thing that I used to teach in, in, in all my trainings with all my consultants uh, across the country is the word leverage. It's actually oh, one like of the that. 24 cornerstones of wealth, leverage. If you love what you do, the money will follow. doesn't mean you're going to be a millionaire, mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter. You're going to be taken care of. You're going to be happy in what you do. And I think we can find ourselves as parents sometimes really just trying to guide our kids too much in certain areas. You have to be a doctor. Well, not you. You have to be a business person because that's what we are as a family. Mm -hmm. uh, but real quick, I wanted to touch base on on the cheerleader part that you talked about. You know, I've always wanted a cheerleader. In fact, it reminded me of when we were dating. <laughs> you know, I was on this. Uh, I had this basketball. What is happening right okay. now? I had, oh. the, I had this. Should I be afraid? No. I, I had I this am. men's basketball team that I had put together. You know, a bunch of the dads that I that I coached their sons in baseball and basketball. And so, um, a couple of the dads used to play ball back in the day, even for college. I'm like, yeah, I've got a game too. So let's put a team together. So we did. We put a team together, and I used to ask my beautiful girlfriend over here at the time. <laughs> to come watch me play and you know a lot of times she's like well do i really have to or do i really want to and and that would really hurt my feelings because i see and i learned how to say it hurt my feelings <laughs> i'm learning right that's it that's it because um, i really wanted a cheerleader to be there so we love got women out there mm -hmm. moms dads love cheerleaders they really do we want somebody to rah-rah us on and whatnot and pick us up and motivate us so and our kids Love that too. I noticed it with our three-year-old and our eighteen-month-old and whatnot. They want to be the center of attention, and they want to know that we're sitting there watching them. If I get the video, if I get the phone out and start recording, our little eighteen-month-old, she starts performing. She's like all excited. She loves it. They want cheerleaders, so that's very important for our kids too. Well, and that all of that comes together, right? So if we're if we're true to being cheerleaders for our spouses and for our children at home, that can actually send our family into a state of thriving, right? Because I, I, I made a joke earlier. It sounds like you're just surviving over there. What's going on? Um, I got through it. But <laughs> cheerleading is really important because if we if we are taking, you know, we always hear that mindset of, you know, we're living vicariously through our children or they need to be a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer or whatever it is that we've decided we want for them. And we never leave room for our child to come or our children to come with their own interests and their own exploration of what their purpose is here on earth, it creates a very disconnected parent-child relationship. Yeah. And so I think this is a great topic to talk about today, you know, and your story really highlights that. I mean, you, you are considered, you know, very successful. You're doing what you love. love 
you're earning money doing what you love and it wasn't just going from A to B to get there. You had to try out a few different paths before you figured it out. Definitely. And I think we have to allow our children as parents the room to figure it out. And they're supposed to already know what they want to do. What's your major? Which, what school are you exactly, going to? All this pressure exactly, that we have, right? Exactly. What I didn't disclose in my story was that at 30-something years old, deciding to go back to school, it wasn't that easy. I had tried umpteenth number of times before I can tell you that I have probably declared 11 different majors and more than half of them I actually had to go into the school and change it so yeah. they were used to seeing <laughs> my I face knew the majors they just well. we're just gonna have them with your name already on them and you just <laughs> check the box right because there was so much hey, you want a few extras to take with you <laughs> yeah exactly exactly just keep you know just have them handy you know pre-fill them out <laughs> And, and for me, Press R, two copies. exactly. <laughs> and for me, it's like, first of all, it was in me. I'm a learner. Right. And so I get excited by learning something new. So if I don't know it, I'll still do it just so I can say I learned it. And so I would find all these. Oh, this is interesting. Let me do this. Oh, this is interesting. But learning doesn't necessarily it, it helps you to activate a passion because you want to learn about it. But that thing that you're learning may not be the passion or the purpose for you. Right. If I didn't know what I wanted to do at 30 years old, I have compassion for the teenager who's trying to figure it out, but keep they keep getting these messages from their parents saying it has to be this way. For me, um, I come from a long line of educated people. I've got doctors, lawyers, you know, college prof university professors, people who have written books and deans of colleges and things like that. And I try going to school right out of high school, and no, oh, it wasn't working for me. No, our study nights were not like typical study nights, okay? We did no studying except for the back of a bottle. I'll just leave that alone. <laughs> but, um, but it wasn't the time for me. Would I, would I recommend people choose the path that I did and go later? No. What I recommend is you figuring out what you want to do and then choosing that. And as a mom or as a dad or if a grandmother or uncle, if you're raising a young person, give them the freedom to explore who they are. And so... Some parents would be like, well, they have to go to college. Okay, allow them to go and declare undeclared as their major because they can always change it. It's just the mark of a pin. Believe me, I know. I did it 11 times. It's not going to hurt anything. <laughs> Probably right? just a keystroke on a computer it, now. That's all it is. Exactly. You, I don't even have to go into the office yeah. anymore. You know, you can now you do it online. Apps for that, right? Apps for that <laughs> and everything. But I think as a parent and I think as a, as a child, what both have to understand is that they really have the same – goal you need to be a productive happy human being who can take care of themselves and do good for others i don't i don't know of too many parents that would disagree with that being the goal for their child what they see when it happen for their child but what i do is in family sessions that happy that productive we may all have the same webster dictionary for dictionary definition for it but what does that really look like in somebody's life when we act it out, when we carry it out, does it really look to be the same? And that's where I try to start the conversations with family. Don't be mad at your child because you've got him taking all these accelerated math courses, and he hates math. And not only does he hate math, I hope I can say this, he sucks at it. <laughs> and so now he's, he's anxious and he's depressed because he can't get this done. But when you look at his artwork, you see this genius, but you keep thinking, what kind of money is he going to make? What kind of life he's going to live? He's going to live the life that he chooses and that he wants. Yes. And that's what's important. 
And like you said, do what you love. The money will follow. That's right. Well, it's, it's actually really cool you said that right there because we were actually looking at um, some Christian schools, interviewing some different schools. And um, one school that we interviewed told us that they actually, they, they, look at all the, they look at each kid individually and they look at each course that they take and they help them and they meet with them regularly through the counselors, even at a very young age, mm-hmm. because you may have some who really excel in math. And that's mm-hmm. maybe their calling. You have people who, as you said, suck at math, and they're really good in English. Mm-hmm. And then you have other kids who have this amazing artwork and whatnot. So they actually watch them, guide them, lead them from a very young age all the way through high school and really help develop the talents that they have been given by the Lord to really help find things they can do that they may be interested in in life exactly. with those specific talents. Because exactly. we can't... You know, I wanted to be a librarian when I was a kid, you know, mm-hmm. when I grew up. That's not true because I did not like to read books. Um, so I did not want to be in a library. <laughs> I was just kidding. You're so random, my love. <laughs> I know. But my point is is that, again, you know, English was not my strong point. I, I mean, I love I, I love a good book, but I don't read very often. Mm-hmm. I'm just not a reader. Um, you know, so we got to really find really what our niche is. That's it. No, that's really, really key. So, you know, Edith, since you're talking about family sessions and family work, if, you know, families come to you, parents generally have really great intentions, right? They do. So the parent who wants their child to take all these advanced math classes because they're trying to help their child become positioned for a successful career, right, that will provide... Mm -hmm. And set them up for independence and self-sufficiency, mm-hmm. you know. Parents think about the day that they don't have to support every single little decision for their child anymore and mm-hmm. about how it is their job to set their child up for success and independence. Mm-hmm. So those are the intentions behind that. So, you know, ignore art, leave art. Art is the conflict for the chi- for the example you provided. Mm-hmm. How do you work with parents to help them let go a little bit, right? Because a lot of that comes from a place of concern, anxiety, love, worry about just Lots I want love. them to be mm-hmm. okay. Well, and I think right? a big and thing with parents, I'm sorry, go ahead. It eventually becomes suffocating. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the reason for the breakdown in trust and in the relationship. Mm-hmm. So how do you address that with parents? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a term that I've only heard recently in the last maybe year or so called love bombing. And so what I encourage parents to do is all those things that you want for your child, what good parent doesn't want that? But if you want your child to be successful, let's look at how you define success. Yes, you want them to be well taken care of without you having to do the taking care of, right? But ultimately, You have to allow your child the room to grow, to know themselves, so that they can trust their own judgment, right? And if you keep telling them that the essence, technically that talent, that essence of who they are is wrong or unfruitful or unproductive, what message are you saying to them about them? It's not even about what they want to do. They hear that and they're saying, what you're telling me is I'm a waste of time. And that's what I want parents to be careful of. Do I think that's their intent? No, never, never. That is not their intent. They want the best for their children. All I'm asking you is to take the time to explore what your child sees as best. What do they need? I told my daughter 
because I was that parent. I didn't go to college on time. You're going. I put her in an accelerated program where she was attending college in the 11th grade. So she went from 10th grade straight into summer school at college and never got a summer off, and I was pushing her. And I had to recognize my own anxiety. The only reason I was doing that is because I had felt that I'd wasted too much time in getting my education, right? I went back to school at 30. And so I've totally turned her off to school. Now, does she value an education? Yes. But she's like, Ma, that did not help me. That burned me out, you know. I was proud to say that she got an associate's degree before she got her high school diploma. But did that really help her? Or did I hurt her? with every good intention, right? I needed her to speak up for herself and allow herself to advocate for herself. Now, the the saying I have in my house, especially when she was younger, is that you don't run anything in here except for your mouth, right? What I say goes. (laughs) Yeah, there's rules that she has to follow, but what's the purpose of the rule if it's killing the spirit of my child? Sure. You know, would you rather be right or would you rather for them to be happy and okay? And happy is a relative term. But I need her to trust who she is to make good, sound decisions. And if I'm trying to make those decisions for her, she'll never learn to trust herself. And that's what I try to get parents to. I said, that's really your goal. Can they, can they be productive, not just in what they do as a job, but in life decisions? They've got to learn to fall before they can walk, right? If you didn't want your kid to fall, you never would have allowed them to walk. Right. You know, so let them fall here as well. Yep. It's definitely a necessary uh, action for, for success. you got to fail mm-hmm. forward, right? Yep, fail forward. That's when you learn, uh, you know, what, what is right, what's wrong. Mm-hmm. As parents, as, as a dad even, um, we always want our kids to, to we ultimately, I think what most parents go through is that we want our kids to be better than than we, we are and mm-hmm. we were and, and, and not go through some of the things that we went through and yep. whatnot. Um, you know, I could sit here and talk about my story a, a lot and how I was out of the house at 17 years old, lived on the street, you know, lived in the back of a trunk of a car, 280 ZX2, which is a hatchback. So if you don't know, it, it was those. not very comfortable <laughs> whatsoever. Um, you know, I went through a lot of hard times and, and, and questioned, you know, my faith and, and whatnot. And, you know, I definitely wouldn't recommend my path, so my son was going to definitely do something different as well. He's going to go to college. Um, but I've even figured out he's, you know, our 17-year-old is, he is taking college courses as a high school kid. He's doing well. Um, we did kind of push him in some areas, but then we also realized, I realized that I got to kind of let up a little bit on some of the harshness um, as far as, like, when I say harshness, as far as, like, how do I get on to him? How do I encourage him and whatnot? Um, you know, he, we, we, I, I taught his baseball and basketball team, you know, we had select going on for a long time and he excelled. He was really good in baseball. Mm-hmm. He actually played for the high school team and then he found his way. You know, he now plays tennis. I'm a tennis player also, and I couldn't get him to play tennis forever. And all of a sudden all he wants to do now is play tennis. So he's not even playing baseball anymore in, in high school. Uh, but that's okay. He's found his way and he's still finding his way in, in, you know, he's making some decisions that we may not agree with 100% because we both think, well, you should be doing this or this. But at the end of the day, we can push him all day long. He's not going to end up being successful if it's not really what he wants to do, ultimately. Ultimately, that's it. And if you think about, if, if we all were to think about our careers and what we do for a living as parents, 
some of us hate our jobs, and we just go to the job because we need a paycheck and pay some bills, and that's okay. That's what happens sometimes. But some of us really love what we do most days. You know, we don't always love our job. We don't always love the people we work with. I'm sorry. We don't always like them. We always love them. That's mm-hmm. what you say, right? Yeah, yeah. We don't always <laughs> like them, but we always love them. We love everybody, and we do love everybody. Um, but for most of us, our fulfillment in our jobs is not the paycheck. It's really that we are helping someone in some way. It doesn't matter what job you do. Your fulfillment is you're actually making a difference in some way. We want to make a difference. We get fulfilled from what we do when we make a difference. No matter what, what, what line of work it is, right? That's so, right. and that's really why kids really need to find their path. But even what you just said, right? We get fulfillment because we know we make a difference. I mean, there's still adults who haven't figured that out. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. like, oh, what's the meaning of life? You know, they're still trying to figure that part out. So, there's still a lot of parents who've never figured that part out for themselves, or they took a different path, you know, because they needed to be there for their family. Mm-hmm. I've, I can't tell you how many families I've worked with. I've, I've heard, you know, stories from moms, especially who, who gave up their career path. Um, maybe they were, you know, this, this cor- queen of the corporate world, strong, independent working woman, then they had babies and then they literally give up their career to raise their family. And it's years and years and years since they've even had a job. And now they don't even know how to write a resume anymore because they've been out of it for years. And, and, and over time, they become a little resentful or uh, you know, uh, upset. Those parents, too, are really concerned. I don't want that to happen to my child. You know, there's a lot of that taking yeah. their own life experience and placing it on to their child's future or, mm-hmm. or ideas of what can happen. And many parents would just say, well, isn't that just wisdom? Mm-hmm. Isn't it my job to parent here? You know, so what do you do with that? Well, and it's interesting because when you were talking about that, one of the things that I realized in raising my daughter is that um, everything I did for her, I realized there was an ulterior motive. It was because I didn't want to have to go through, especially as a single parent, having to fix anything. Life was already hard enough, making sure I could take care of her and all that other stuff. So any extra problems, we're going to cut that out. You're just going to do what I say so that I don't have to worry about anything else. But even, Gina, as you talk about your experience, no, that's not the experience that you would want for your son. But at the same time, you want to give him the freedom to have an experience, to have their own experience. And I'll never forget, there was a situation in my household, and I was so angry at my daughter. And the Lord just kind of looked at me. He's like, you're not worried about how this is affecting her. You're worried about how this is affecting you. How is that going to help her? You are angry at her because she's put you in a position that you don't want to be in. But she needs you right now. And you can't be there for her because you're mad because how it's affecting you. And even working with families, especially um, eating disorder, you know, parents of a a child or a, a loved one with an eating disorder, they always talk about how it affects them, right? Okay, so I get it. You are affected. But how is that helping her? her or him get through the situation. We as parents, I don't care if you're a single parent, I don't care if you have a whole community. Four generations in four one generations household. Four generations in one household working together. We as parents don't want the hurt or the feeling that we've been less than a good parent, and we tend to think that that's mirrored in what our child does. Okay, My mom was a great mom. Okay, I love her. She's she is literally my best friend. Okay, 
Um, and I know I've made decisions that weren't pleasing to her, but they were my decisions. And I can remember telling my mom, you don't think I heard you when you were growing up. And it's not so much what you said. It's sometimes it's just how you said it. And just because you said it in a certain tone, I was like, I'm going to show her, right? It's not about my will will, will rule. It's about what do you need from me to support you? As long as my daughter is not in jail and she hasn't done something foolish enough to land her in the hospital or anything like that, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good, right? I don't, I, I'm not going to visit you behind bars. I just can't do it. I'm sorry, right? Yeah. But allow them to grow. And growing, when you plant a seed, before a seed germinates, it has to die. So not to say that your child has to die. Not that we don't want to protect them from things that sometimes they can't come back from. But you've got to allow them the space to know that no matter what, my mom and dad love me. And you want them to come to you. You want to know what's going on. But if you're always pressuring them or or not listening, why should they come to you? Yeah. You well, know? it's even like with our, with our toddlers, you know. I'm, you know. I'm the dad, so you can jump on the couch and you can jump off the, the pool table onto the floor. And, and mama's over here yelling at me saying, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, and you got to give them the freedom to explore, right? You know, they kids start walking and moms are freaking out. They're going to bump their head on the corner mm -hmm. of the actual coffee table. And it's like... They're climbing on the fireplace ledge, you know. Yeah. You can't protect them from everything. They have to have their experiences. You know, and it, and it kind of reminds me, and you, you, made, you made some really, really good points, too. And I, I think what I got from it was um, we've, we've got a discipline. And discipline is oh, yes, not please. a negative thing. It's a positive thing. Yes. You know, we don't, it's not Definitely. about spanking. It's about um, training, yes. right, like an athlete. They when, have to when, learn how to respect authority, yes. You have to guide them and lead them, give them wisdom, give them support. But more importantly, what kids need the most is love. And how do you love on them? What you were saying just made me think of uh, the prodigal son, you know, and, and, and he went off and, and, and blew all of his inheritance and everything else and came back and dad, and, and, and you know, just embraced him and loved him and it was okay. And life is going to be okay. If we love our kids and let them explore they're going to be okay. They're going to be okay. Because if I we can let them know they're always going to have a home to come back to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And no matter what you do, I love you no matter what. He loves us no matter what we do. The Lord loves us no matter yes. what we do. And um, it, it, it made me think also even some of the conversations. And, and of course, I've, you know, uh, Dr. Swins over here, you know, always educated me in different ways, too. But some of the conversations I have with our 17-year-old, and and sometimes I talk to him, and I'm, I'm giving him my life experiences, and I'm telling him, hey, here's what I've done, and here's, I've been there, and I've done this, and I've done that, and, you know, you need to understand. He's going to be like, oh, okay, Dad, all right, yeah. And I'm thinking, like, I'm getting through, and she's over here like, you ain't getting through to nothing. <laughs> You're just you lecturing know? at that uh, point. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's the thing. Don't lecture. Have a conversation. Right. Especially as they get older. They want... They're so quick to grow up because they always feel like a child. And so they'll maybe slow down the growing process if you talk to them, talk with them, not at them, right? right? And if I had to give one tip, one parent hack that I would give any parent is learn to say, I'm sorry. It is okay for you as a parent to tell your child, I'm sorry. And I think... There were a lot of mistakes I made, a lot of different things that I did. And one of the things that I always did, even if it was waking my daughter up in the middle of the night, I would tell her, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for that. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. And she has told me, thank you for saying you're sorry. 
And so that alone isn't like, well, I'm the parent. They need to know I'm always right. Who's always right? You know, we're never always right. But if you give them the chance to see even I as a parent can make mistakes and own it, that's a great example, a living example that you can give anybody, but especially your child. It yeah. also validates them and exactly. lets them know that you care for their heart, their feelings. Exactly. They're important. Right. It gives them that sense of value as a human being. Mm-hmm. That's a great parenting hack. And you know, it's kind of funny because we're going to have a parenting hack uh, um, episode here in a few weeks. And uh, we're going to have some fun with that. So details <laughs> to come. Um, but it also, you know, it made me also think about, um, you know, I'm always trying to study things and listen to new uh, things that are out there. And there's always there's, there's all these parenting books out there, mm-hmm. these podcasts that are not anywhere as good as ours by any of stretch not. of the. Of course not. Um, they suck, as you would say, right? <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, long story short, there was one thing that I heard, and, 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 it, and it, it was so real that... Don't encourage him. <laughs> Come on now. I need a cheerleader. <laughs> go. <laughs> yes. You got this. Go. All right, here we go. Um, but it, it's kind of like, um, it reminded... There, there was one thing that I that I listened to that I learned, and, and I'll give a, a real-life example. We were we like to ride bikes at a park, and the park's not very close, so um, it's probably about a th- two-and-a-half, three-mile trek. So it's not far on a bike, but I'm pulling a trailer with two, with a three-year-old and an 18-month-old in the back, you know. So, um, and we've got some hills. Of course, Texas is flat, especially in McKinney, but we do have some hills. Mm-hmm. Um, and our eight-year-old is also riding a bike. So, um, the whole point was is like, um, when we were drop, when we were riding home one day from the park, we had to go. We did have to go this really steep hill to get back every single time. And after being at, after dr- riding to the park, being at the park, and riding home, she was really struggling to get up this hill. And one thing that I, th- I just that just came to me was like, my agenda was to get home. I've also got these kids behind me; they're getting tired. We got to eat dinner. It's going to be a bad time. We got all these things to do, and I think as parents we do this all the time. We have our own agenda in all different kinds of ways. And when she started struggling, I was like, I got frustrated because she couldn't make it up the hill. And it's like, and then I thought about, okay, I see parents at the grocery store with these kids who are throwing these tantrums, and our kids don't do that because we just let them eat all the gummy bears out of everything <laughs> else and whatever not. You know, we're smarter about that, but um, <laughs> there's one thing we do well is we do the grocery store well with the kids. But these parents who are having these tantrums with their kids, and they're like leaving their carts full and taking the kids out of the car, and now it's done, and this is a big ordeal. Was your kid tired? Was your kid... Was it almost nap time? Did we do something because of our own agenda? Exactly. You know, what is the purpose for our kids' lives? We don't know this. They have to figure that out. We can guide them, mm-hmm. but we have to give them experiences. Exactly. But it cannot be our agenda. Exactly. Our agenda is not going to be their agenda. In fact, if they are getting our agenda, one thing I can assure you as a dad that has experience in this and seeing kids I've coached, if we give them our agenda more times than not, they're going to go against that agenda. So we have to love. You gotta love unconditionally, and be patient. Oh my goodness, with a capital P. Yeah. Patience. What's yeah. that? Oh my okay. gosh, we'll do a whole nother episode on that. And we have to have hippoing. Hippo. Yes. <laughs> Nobody understands that, but that's awesome. That is awesome. I'll explain that one day on an episode about hippoing. It's really awesome. It is. It All right. Is. Well, Edith, it's been a great pleasure having it's you. It's been a pleasure to be. Here. Always Thank love you. speaking with you. It I just lights it my you. world yeah. up, and uh, you light up the camera and everything else. Oh, so. you guys are awesome. Thank you. Thank you.
All right. Well, thanks for joining the Parents of Kit from Surviving to Thrive in Your Household. We will see you next week. Thank you so much.